And then this year, 2020, you know, it's just been rough. But with that and the social injustice and police brutality and all that, it is that we can see more prevalent on the news, even though we know that this has been happening for years. Now, people are trying to do more when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and they can see that NABBT can help be a vehicle or like an avenue to help with that. It's just like, why did, why did it take this year in 2020 and all this to happen? But either way, we're going to make sure that we don't have to deal with this in 10 years and that these new coming physical therapists don't have to deal with the things that we dealt with while in school. Because I feel like almost everyone can state something that has happened in their physical therapy journey while a student, student or a clinician where they had to deal with some systemic and structural racism or, you know, microaggressions or anything. And... NABPT wants to make sure that you feel like you have a home to go to to talk about that and to figure out what to do. We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University, and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Mr. Carl Bourne Jr., and I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Paulo Ching. Paul, say what's up to the people. What up, y'all? How you guys doing? I'm glad to be here. Glad to be alive. Hey, hold on real quick. Can I just share, Can I just throw something in? Is that okay with y'all? I just want to say something real quick. For those of y'all who have not been washing your hands, because I know there's somebody still out there, you're listening to this and you didn't spend that 20 seconds. Stop playing. Wash your hands. That's it. It's not that hard. But now I'm playing. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be alive. Glad to be healthy. And I'm blessed. Amen. Amen. So without further ado, let's go ahead and introduce another special guest. Y'all know how we like to do. So this week is no exception. With that being said, we're very, very, very excited for this episode, especially in today's climate. I think it's very important to be able to have the type of discussion that we're about to have. And with that being said, uh, we've already had the pleasure of interviewing one of the co-founders. Now we have the pleasure of interviewing the other half, the second co-founder, who is the co-founder of the National Association of Black Physical Therapists. So we have the lovely Miss DeAndrea Bullock, PT, DPT. Doc, talk to us, how are you feeling? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. We're doing good. Thanks so much for joining. So, you know, we like to be respectful of your time. And with that being said, let's dive right into it. And right off the bat, tell us, why physical therapy? So it started early for me. I was an athlete, had a couple of injuries, ankle injuries. No one crossed me. It just happened. (laughs) But um, I went to PT in high school. And then from there, I went on and did like this HCOP program with my high school where I was able to work at a clinic while also getting like school credit for it. So I got paid and went to school. Um, And then from there with basketball, I was recruited. And each school that I went to, I just looked to see what could lead me into the direction of physical therapy. And that's how I got here. 
but physical therapy works with my personality because I'm definitely a giver and I consider myself a healer. And I just like having that one-on-one interaction with people and just helping them in, to feel empowered about their healthcare journey. Let's hop right in. First of all, I love that you wanted to give a disclaimer that you didn't get crossed. It didn't happen. What position do you play? I played everything but point guard. Everything but point guard. Okay, we got a shooter on our hands. <laughs> Let's just jump right in. With PT, and shout out to all physical therapists, we're rocking our physical therapy shirt gear. With PT, you know, uh, the thing I love most is that it's one of those industries that you have to want to be able to serve others and help others, right? So what what is it about physical therapy that, you know, stuck out to you the most? Because, you know, you knew, right? You went to these schools, you're like, okay, which program is going to align best with what I'm choosing with PT? But what is it about physical therapy? You know, at its root core, you are a healer, right? You consider yourself a healer. What is it about physical therapy that, you know, if somebody comes to you and like wants to join the National Association of Black Physical Therapists and you say, okay, this is what we're about in physical therapy. This is what we're about in the NABPT. And this is why you should choose this career path to be your calling. What I feel that is about with physical therapy is that you get to spend more time. It's not like you see yeah, 10 minutes to be with the patient. You get to actually form a relationship and get them to understand their body. So I'm not just dishing out, like, you know, nothing against that is needed, but not dishing out medicine or, you know, you should go here or go there. I'm sitting here with you, with your body, and we're figuring out how can we make this work so you can feel like you have a quality about your life, feel independent, you feel that you can do these things. And I'm speaking from that point because I'm in the neuro field, so a lot of the things that we do kind of relate to what you can do in your day-to-day life. I, I just felt most comfortable being able to heal in that aspect. I also think it's a huge spiritual, emotional, mental, like it just pulls everything in with physical therapy and knowing your body. So that's what related to me the most. And I think that if anybody is to that, they would love to do physical therapy. Transitioning a little bit now to NABPT, which again, shout out to y'all for creating, you know, this for us because we need it. You know, um, a lot of people, come into physical therapy and they don't really think about the fact that there are black people that are very underrepresented in the field, you know, and, and they're very, they're very ignorant to, you know, the, the plight that we go through. So, you know, kudos to you and Remy for creating this amazing organization for us. But the question that I want to ask you from, from your standpoint of things, because we've heard we've heard her version now from you how did how did this come into fruition what was the behind the scenes and what was the the driving factor that was like we have to make this happen no matter what Remy spoke on a little bit but we both went to school together that first day with orientation and getting to know your classmates I don't know how to describe it, but there was just some force that just made all of the black people in the class just come together that very first day, like, oh, so we, we're here together. What are we going to do about it? And we made a pact there that no one was going to get left behind. If you're having difficulty in any class, anything, come to the group so we can make sure that you can study with whoever, you know, relates to your study and style, just to make sure that we all graduate and we all continue on to be a PT. So, I mean, that was just organic, the way that it happened. 
And then we, as a class, went to CSM together. Had a really good time. But while we were there, just noticing that, okay, this looks different. It's not a whole lot of Black people here. And every time you saw a Black person, it's like you definitely made a, a point to do the, the nod, like, hey, <laughs> we're here. Where you, you know, where am I going? Where can we meet up? All of these different things. So Remy and I came together and it was like, we know that we were lucky to have 10 people in our class, but we had so many other people that we had met while being PTs that told us that they were the only black person that was in their class. And that just feels extremely isolating. The fact that we're already considered like minority and you, you're, no, you're the only person in this class is just like all of these negative words. And that shouldn't be our experience with everything that we do. So that's why we wanted to form NABPT. That way that people have a place that they can come to and feel, you know, you are the majority, feel supported. And then we also have all these different chapters so that in your own community, you're able to connect with people that are like you just to make sure that you're able to also take that community aspect, go into the community and make sure that you are also serving people that look like you. One thing you said right now hit really hit home because I think and I think I've noticed this specifically, uh, you said that you want people to be able to come into a place where they are the majority. I know for a lot of us in healthcare, especially, you know, you know, if you look like us, um, you know, if you're on YouTube world and you're actually watching this episode, you can see that we're three black individuals on the screen. And to be able to have the ability to come together and have this, you know, like you said, y'all got to class and you're just like, oh, you're black, you're black. Come on, mm-hmm. come on home. There's something sweet about being able to have people that, you know, hold the same cultural beliefs, hold the same values, hold the same, even get the same feeling of just comfort because you understand them without having to know them. So, you know, with that, with that culture in mind, with that, you know, spirit of like camaraderie in mind, um, how do you think so far in its existence, you know, the NABPT has been able to affect like the culture of physical therapy? Well, I do think, you know, I won't say we ruffled some feathers, but I think the presence and just getting people a little bit more excited about making physical therapy their own as far as Black people. You don't have to fit into this wearing khakis every day or, you know, this type of look that comes with PT. Like, make it your own. Make it fit your, you know, add your own flavor to it. I think that in itself has made NABPT more popular. And then this year, 2020, you know, it's just been rough. But with that and the social injustice and police brutality and all that it is that we can see more prevalent on the news, even though we know that this has been happening for years, now people are trying to do more when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And they can see that NABPT can help be a vehicle or like an avenue to help with that. It's just like, why did, why did it take this year in 2020 and all this to happen? But either way, we're going to make sure that we don't have to deal with this in 10 years and that these new coming physical therapists don't have to deal with the things that we dealt with while in school. Because I feel like almost everyone can state something that has happened in their physical therapy journey while a student, student or a clinician where they had to deal with some systemic and structural racism or, you know, microaggressions or anything. And NABPT wants to make sure that you feel like you have a home to go to to talk about that and to figure out what to do. Also talking about what you guys have been able to create with NABPT, 
one of the things that I noticed that you all do is the, I believe it's, it's, it's mentor mentorship Mondays, essentially. I, I realized that that's something where you've been able to have different, you know, mentors for different months come and be able to provide value. And so a question that I have for you, and this would also be for, you know, to, to answer the question for anyone who may be listening and they're not a member as of yet. And, you know, this is their first exposure. What is the process behind choosing a mentor? And what was the, the motivation behind y'all instilling that part into the organization? So Mentor Monday actually started because we knew we wanted to do the Each One Teach One mentorship program where we actually match people up, which will start September 1st. So if anybody is a member and want to be a part of that mentorship program, go ahead and put in the application. But we knew that we needed to gather and have more of a membership base in the beginning of our you know, career. We're only like a year and a half old. We're very young. So before we can start that mentorship program where we match people up one-on-one, we wanted to still provide that mentorship on a, a larger platform. So that's why we started with Mentor Mondays, which actually the idea and that name came from one of our board members. So what we did first was just pull from the board. Like, you know, can you provide some information on what you do? Because everyone has a, a, their own little niche or talent that they can provide for physical therapy. And then from there, we have had people come to us or we see people on Instagram. And it's like, oh, you're, you're doing some great things here. Can you teach our members about some of the things that you're doing? And that's why we bring them in for Mentor Monday. And I think the other thing with that is that as we continue to grow, we want to be able to facilitate a lot of collaboration with entrepreneurs and PT, different organizations, just so that we can show that we're operating more from an avenue of abundance instead of scarcity. Like, so if you, you have this product or you have this um, type of way that you provide physical therapy, bring that on. That way we can teach other people and even see if there's a way that we can make sure that we're promoting you at the same time. Hey, listen, and then we've, we've talked about it before where at least I recently realized like how small of a percentage it is that black men are in physical therapy. And then, you know, thinking about that mentorship, like that's one of those things that would have, would have saved a lot of pain and tears, you know, if we had it like coming up, you know, through undergrad, coming up through high school, even, you know, you got an interest in that. So I love that. One thing I do want to ask, you know, like kind of on the larger scale of things, uh, when it comes to, running the organization and then, you know, kind of want, you know, making things run because I do want to be able to help people understand how to make a machine work. Right. Cause y'all have a lot of moving parts, right? It's not like you just got one other person. <laughs> you got a lot of moving parts. So let's talk a little bit, you know, about, you know, how, how to make a machine work. What would you say like, okay, would be the top three, four things while y'all were creating it. Right. Um, Because I really want to help somebody who, you know, maybe has an idea and wants to start moving into the next step. Because what Carl and I did was totally different. Right. We, it took us three years to figure out how to make the machine work. So mm-hmm. let's kind of help him a little bit. Um, what are you like the top three, four things that you had to figure out? You know, you realized these are things that are necessary when starting 
a business, starting a movement, starting a brand, that you cannot look beyond these three or four things um, before even doing anything else? What would those things be for you? One of the main things is having a support system. So when we first started, we knew we had the idea, but Remy and I are not like the strongest writers as a, in a, in the sense of making sure that we have it all completely written down. It, it looks good and people are ready to just commit to what we had. So we actually pulled from one of our professors while we were at Emory to just kind of help us write out what it is that we want to do in that form. Because we can talk it all day, but to make sure that it looks good on paper. So going from there, we always go back to our mission and our values. Because there's so many moving parts and because 2020 has been a bit of a roller coaster and there's so many people trying to pull in these different ways, you always have to go back to like what you started. And that's the same thing in physical therapy. Like if you, you want to be your own entrepreneur or whatever, you need to figure out what is your PT purpose so that you can always go back to it to make sure, am I deviating too far or is this just the way that the transition is going? So starting from there, going back to our mission, having support. So each step along the way, it's like, okay, we have the mission, we have the goals, let's just go out and show people what we're doing. So we just got these like little wristbands that had nabpt.org because we had our website just to get the name out there and to get people excited and to, to show them that we're here for them. So that's how it mainly started out. We just had people that would then just email us and like, oh, we're having trouble here. And so we show that support. And then from there, we were able to grow it into a membership base. So we definitely started out small. We Hustle at a lot of CSMs <laughs> to meet a bunch of people. <laughs> but starting from the support, our mission, and then just going individually saying, hey, this is the organization. This is what we're about. Why don't you check us out on this website? Or is there anything that you need that you think that we can help out? And as it got bigger, we have our board, but we wanted to make sure that everyone felt as committed to NABPT as we did. So we wanted to make sure that everyone had a role and we broke up into committees. And I think that with any business, if you're going to bring in more people, make sure that people feel like they have something that's a little bit more theirs, like they have some autonomy in the way things are going, as long as everybody is still looking at the big picture of the mission and the goals. Obviously, for anyone who's listening to this, they can see it takes a lot of work to be able to create an organization. The thing that I kind of want to dive into a little bit for anyone you know who might be listening and they're thinking okay like I get the hustle piece you know I get the support system I understand all of that but how do I get started you know like what is what is the process of being able to start my own organization you know what pathways or gateways do I need to go through what paperwork is involved what would be some of the, the tips that you would give for anyone who wants to start an organization and they just don't know where they should even begin in that process? One is Google. <laughs> Looking to see, is there anything else out there that's similar to you? Or if there is a framework of a, another like nonprofit organization that you like the way that they operate, that you want to mimic your organization after? Because there's no point in trying to reinvent that wheel if it's already there. 
So um, we started with that just to look and see, oh, should we be like a 501c3 or a 501c6? What is the difference between the two? Like all of those different things. But we had, um, and Remy spoke to this earlier, one of her friends was a lawyer and he was like, okay, look, I know this much. I can take you this far. <laughs> and then from there, we were able to connect with um, some, some other lawyers that helped us to make sure that we were on track as far as our status and then also get an accountant to make sure that we are writing down every transition financially um, just to make sure that people feel comfortable giving us money as a membership contribution and know that we are doing right by their money by making sure that we are following through with our mission and goals because that's the reason that they started with us to begin with. So I guess the main thing is to make sure that look to see if there's another framework that matches you or if there's an, another um, organization that's similar but it doesn't go in the direct avenue or direction that you like because you can add on these different pieces. But if we're all going towards the same goal, it's okay. Like, I mean, there's these different brands of bread. Like, it's fine to have, have that as long as you're, you're still trying to make sure that you're making some type of change in the community. Can we talk a little bit about um, the money portion, the money side of it? Because I think, you know, far too many people want to skip past it because that's the tough stuff, right? Man, when you got to run the business and then when that business requires money, <laughs> it's like a lot of conversations you got to have with a lot right. of people, you know, you got to deal with all kinds of personalities because money makes people act weird. So let's talk about that a little bit when it comes to, you know, just the financial aspect of running the NABPT, right? What are the things that you have to, you know, kind of consider and require? I asked this from the perspective of like, for example, um, you know, Carl and I, we've been running our own businesses um, and then we just, you know, started our own together. And, you know, uh, in in my business thus far, when, you know, it comes out to like understanding, OK, this is what it takes, you know, for, for my thing not to be in the negative. This is what's going to require. These are the things people got to pay, the fees, the taxes, all these things. Right. What are the things you have to consider from a financial aspect when running an organization like that? Stuff that, you know, nobody told you. Right. You have to register with the Secretary of State um, in the beginning, and that's going to be a fee that comes out every year, like basically re-register, like doing your, getting your tags done or something like that. Also, you need to know, like, if someone is donating money, if there's a restriction behind it or not. So if someone donates money and they're like, hey, I want to give you this because I believe in your mission, but I want to go towards a scholarship for you know, students. And that money needs to go right there for that scholarship for students. You keep a paper trail of all of those different things. So in the case that you are possibly audited, you know that this is where it is, this is where it came from, and this is what its purpose was. And I think the other thing with starting an organization and with money is that sometimes people feel like, oh, I just want to help. Like, why, why should I ask for money or I don't want to ask for that money, much money because I want to make sure people want to be a member or all of these different things. But you also got to understand that if you want to make a change, you, you have to have those funds. It's just the type of environment that we live in, like it's capitalism. <laughs> you, you have to have money to be able to, to support students in school, to help clinicians with their continuing education, to help promote leadership and foster that relationship. So 
just making sure that when you're thinking of how much it is, you're taking in your demographics and you're also understanding what the product is that you or the relationship that you are providing. The other thing I didn't know about was that we had to do, like, you know how we do our own taxes? You had to do taxes for this nonprofit too. I was just like, oh, if I just keep up with the money, we should be good. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so we got an accountant and he is like a godsend. So he's like, if you keep up with the books, you give me this information, I'm going to help out with the taxes and, and, and it's great. So just making sure that you reach out to those people because there's a way that you can try to do things yourself. But I think that if you want it done right, you should reach out to people who have a, like an expertise in that area. I, I recently bought a house and I'm thinking, oh, I can paint on my own and I can add these shelves on my own and it looks a hot mess. And so I wasted my time and money when I should have just reached out to a contractor to get it done. So it's the same thing with your business. If you know that you do not know how to do it and you don't have the time to really sit there and make sure you do it right, then you should hire someone else to do it for you. Real quick, because I know, you know, for us, we have like a partnership LLC, so we got to do the quarterly taxes. Do y'all have to pay quarterly taxes as well in a nonprofit? No. Okay, cool. Yeah, we really don't have to pay taxes. You just kind of have to send in your information just to make sure that you are being compliant. Okay, cool. Um, my, my second follow-up too is just to kind of hit on that point of not wasting your time, right? How big of, or how big of a lesson was it for y'all to figure that out? Cause I know like, you know, for me, man, like I remember thinking very first time taxes were due and I was just like, people are like, all right, bet it's going to be like 500 you know, to do your business taxes. And I'm just like, 500 for some taxes. Like, what's going on? But in the back, on the back side of it, I'm just like, yo, that was the biggest blessing to ever do because we could have messed that up, you know, and it's complicated. So just kind of talk, go deeper into that, you know, just the importance of finding qualified people in their respective areas and letting them do what they're good at so you can continue to shine at what you're good at. Well, the thing with a nonprofit is that a lot of people are willing to donate their time, you know, so, and it helps them, it helps with their business, like, it's all like a give and take. So, we had, we also had like a financial advisor that helped like Remy and I individually, and then she also spoke um, to our members, and what helped with her is that she's like, okay, I'm with this organization. We want to do more community service activities. So that just kind of went in line with what she was doing for her job anyways. Um, and then with nonprofits, there's so many resources. Like if you have a PayPal, it's a, you know, they take money out with each transaction, but with nonprofit is significantly reduced. Google also has where you can get emails and have it like, you know, info at NABPT or memberships at NABPT. And you don't have to pay for that as long as you submit the paperwork that you're a nonprofit. Canva, which a lot of people use for like their social media posts. If you submit your information that you're a nonprofit, you can get that pro service that they have for free. So it's just, there's so many different avenues that you can go into where you're not having to spend a whole lot of money because they also understand that nonprofits are not like generating a lot of money. What the money that we get, we're given right back out in the form of scholarships or helping out with the community. So that's one avenue with it. But then also finding 
everyone that helps us is also, as far as like our lawyer, our accountant, that financial advisor, they have been black people as well who are all for the cause. So it's, it's not like we have to pay them. They are just like, hey, we believe in it. We're with you and we'll help out. But as we are growing, we are setting aside this money because we also understand that there's a thing called black tax where black people want to help out black people so much that we almost hinder ourselves for growth. So we want to make sure that people are, you know, benefiting from this collaboration as well in, in whichever way that we can. Either we promote you, we pay you, whatever we need to do to make sure that you're still um, generating some from as well. I love that. I think it's very easy to, you know, forget about that piece. And I think it's very easy, you know, when you're trying to build something to forget about the fact that you still need to look out for other people along the way. So I think that that's one of the reasons, you know, that, that this thing is going to continue to grow the way it has been growing. Because when you, when you do things the right way, you know, and your heart is in it and you don't cross people, you don't burn bridges, you can't lose. So I think that's amazing. We got to have this conversation. I kind of want to segue into, obviously, we know that this year, 2020 has been rough. Let's just call it, you know, what it is. We've lost a lot more brothers and sisters to police brutality. Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, so many names, you know, can, can we can go on and on and the thing that I feel I kind of want us to talk about and I, I really want to you know get your opinion on it so from from an SDT standpoint I can say that I've had my some of my white counterparts classmates that have approached me from a standpoint of you know I may not be able to understand exactly how you feel because I'm not black but I understand how important this is and I want you to know that I'm willing to educate myself and learn as much as I can to help you know be a part of the solution and so the question that I have for you is for the white audience that we have you know that that's listening you know, they see everything going on around, they see the, the injustice, they see the torture that we have to go through, you know, what would be some resources that you would recommend in terms of being able to properly educate yourself and being able to help be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem? So we actually put out a newsletter on this when everything was going on. It just seemed like mentally I was completely drained. I also had like some coworkers that reached out to me and they were like, you know, I'm sorry. And like, you know, these different things. And it's like, I can appreciate and I'm being empathetic towards them. Then I'm thinking about it. Like, why do I have to console someone else about something that's actually happened to people that look like me? So I think one thing is if someone comes up to you, like a, a classmate or a coworker or whatever, is just to ask them to give you that benefit of a doubt that maybe you don't want to have that conversation right now. And to anyone that is out there listening, it's like, ask, are you in a place where we can talk about some of these social injustice? Because I really want to get your opinion on it. Because you're, you're, 
if we're not always ready. Like I didn't watch a single video of anyone being killed because I know what that can do to me psychologically. And I don't want to have that type of energy. But then I also don't want to always have these conversations either, especially in the workplace, because it's just not the time. But I do think that it's very important for for Black people to have that conversation with anyone who is willing to sit there and, and talk. Because if people are listening right now, then this is the time to be able to state, like, this is what we're doing and this is what we would like. <laughs> this is what would make us feel like a human, just like you, all these different things. Um, as far as resources are concerned, I think listening to podcasts like this, listening to the NPR, like Code Switch, like, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there that speak on like all diversity, equity, inclusion, including a lot of different people and actually understanding what that means as far as diversity, equity, inclusion. And I think also reading, people are not really going to go out there and read books, but there's so many <laughs> books out there. There's Satan, the thing, Jim Crow, like the new Jim Crow, like all of that, like the different things that people go through the fear that we feel when we are pulled over by police, not thinking that every police officer has that mentality of hating a black person, but just knowing that that is a possibility that can happen when you are pulled over being a person of color. And also knowing that you get pulled over a little bit quicker just because of the color of your skin. So it's, it's hard to say like, oh, this is a list of what you can do when you can just Google it and you'll be able to find that. That is facts. Uh, I'm one of those people that's like, I'm tired of people asking me, you know, uh, exhausted, actually, not even tired. I'm exhausted of having to explain and help other few people feel better about themselves when trying to understand what it's like to be Black in America. And I say that comfortably because it's our podcast, so, I, you know, ain't nobody going to, like, demonetize us. But, you know, I think from the perspective of black people in healthcare, from the perspective of especially physical therapists, physical therapists, I do have to ask, you know, then what do you personally do to get people to understand like, yo, your experience is not just like everybody else's, everybody else's, right? You know, I say this like last night, I was driving to Five Guys with my girlfriend. And, you know, we're down here in Atlanta, uh, we're driving to Five Guys. And right, like, next to five guys, we see, like, what had to be, like, 16, 17 police cars. And there were about, like, 10, 15 cops outside. And this one, you know, young black man was on his knees, hands, you know, cuffed. And so we're driving past, and I'm just like, this is crazy. It's insane because, one, like, I don't care what he did or did not do. It does not require. And, I mean, I'm talking about, like, as we're pulling, like, I see cars just coming left and right. And I'm just like, oh, this is the stuff that I'm too accustomed to this. And there are people out there that, you know, want to ask me like, oh, how do you feel about this? And how, you know, what do you do to deal with that? And like, you know, there hits a point where I know for myself, it's like, I don't have the luxury of ignoring it or acting like it doesn't exist because I've had my own incidents, right? And you know, for, for those that are in healthcare and like, I'll, I'll say this knowing that somebody's going to hear it and get upset, but whatever. But like, especially, you know, in workplaces, I know way too many black people that 
are so tired of like being surrounded by their white counterparts at work because of like the the subconscious and not that offensive you know instances that go on right so what do you do to like kind of deal with that you know some people like they'll be slits in this and they, they just got tired because maybe their boss just doesn't get it maybe they come in with too much energy maybe they're like oh you don't sound good and it's just like bro like being black's hard sometimes like just let me be so so what do you do to deal with that what do you do to kind of push past that you know and just keep living life you know at a place that you feel like you're good I think so I mean I've been a PT for seven years and I'm I guess I'm becoming a veteran (laughs) I don't know that sounds weird but the way that I am now is completely different than how I was as a student as a student I didn't I wasn't as vocal as I am now and I think a lot of it was just definitely not being in an environment where I was a majority or felt comfortable to fully be myself. I thought I needed to co-switch while I was in school or in the workplace. And I know that Black people are very good at that. But now, like I'm, I'm from Tennessee, I'm country. The words that come out, come out. I'm not changing who I am out there because who I am relates to a lot of patients and I want to make sure that they feel like they can be themselves. Also, whenever something comes up, and it could be surrounding a patient or like a, you know, like microaggression type comment. I go ahead and point it out. And that's because that's how comfortable I feel. And I'm like, well, when you said that, it made me feel like this. And there's nothing you can really say, but say, well, I didn't mean to, or, you know, I didn't think about it in that way. But I want to make sure that I'm having those conversations. And I also work in, a, in a, an environment where people are willing to have that conversation and kind of point out where where they've gone wrong or where they didn't know enough but I think the more that we actually just point out this made me feel this way or um how do you think that patient felt when you said that or did that patient end up being the way that you had in your mind or what bias or what thought did you have going into that room after you read this person's chart like there's so many ways that you can spark that conversation without being like abrasive in your face that way it can actually cause a dialogue and you both can get to a bias like I know there's a particular population sometimes I may want to like roll my eyes about (laughs) but then I also realize that they are going through something and I'm going to treat them the way that I would want to be treated and so I think just making sure that you have that open conversation while you're at work will help you to feel better and not feel like you're putting all of this burden on yourself and then So that's one thing, like I make sure that I'm vocal and that I'm speaking up for myself and I'm speaking up for people who may not be able to speak up for themselves. The other thing, I don't stay on social media, (laughs) like so heavy where I'm seeing all these videos and then I have to go to work the next day because that's tough. Like with the death of George Floyd and understanding everything and then going to work that next day. One, it was super quiet because I think everyone felt that energy. But two, like, we need to make sure that we're holding space for ourselves and our mental health. Like, we have been so much in this survival mode that we're not allowing ourselves to thrive. And I'm trying to help us to get into that transition. Like, we shouldn't always have to survive. That takes away a lot of the joy of just living life and working at this job. So, if you need a mental health day, take it. Like, 
if you need to talk to a therapist about what's going on and how you feel and how, you know, you may have all these things that you want to say, but you feel like you need to suppress it, go see a therapist. Like, it's so important to make sure that mentally, we are spiritually, that we are okay, that way that we can be the best PTs for other people and also be the best, like, coworker or colleague because no one can get anything from us if we don't feel ourselves first. So I have a therapist and I take mental health days. <laughs> I mean, well said. <laughs> Honestly, I don't, I don't know. I was going to ask you a question, a follow-up, but you, you answered it while you were talking. 100% agree with everything you said. The last thing that I want to ask before we close is just now for anyone who's listening at this point and they're like, yo, I need to join this organization. What are the steps that they need to go through in order to become a member? Our website is www.nabpt.org. We have a membership tab. We'll let you to go there, check it out. And But the very first page on our website talks about our mission, values, and goals. If that relates to you and you feel like you can get down with that, then go to membership just to see if you fall into the PT, PTA, prospective PTs or PTAs, or um, current students in a PT or PTA program. We have room for everybody. We are ready to mentor everybody, and we want to make sure that everybody feels supported. Um, the other thing is that we have a chapter development page also. So you can look there to see if there is already a chapter in whatever state that you live in. That way you can get connected with um, people in that area. And all you have to do is just put it into your membership application and we'll make sure that they have your contact. Dr. Bullock, this was amazing. Like, seriously, thank you so much for, you know, making the time to come and talk to us and come and talk about, you know, something that very important, you know, this cause, this organization, what you guys are doing, it is incredible. And I mean, me and Paul already told Remy, but, you know, to express it to you as well, you know, we're here to help you out any way possible, you know, in, in any capacity that we can. Um, but lastly, for anyone, you know, who's listening and they want to get in contact with you, what would be some uh, contact info or social media information that you would want to leave with them? Um, so also for NABPT, um, we're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. <laughs> so you can find us if you put in National Association of Black Physical Therapists, it'll come up. And on Instagram is NABPT underscore. For me, it's literally my name, DeAndrea Bullock on Instagram. You can contact me that way. Um, I have my email address and then information about NABPT under that handle too on Instagram. Perfect. Well, once again, uh, thank you so much for joining us. To our lovely listeners, we appreciate you. We love you. Thank you for rocking with us. If you got some value from this episode, subscribe, share, like, leave a review, a five-star review, might I add. You know, we just are very appreciative for all the support that you all have shown us. And until the next episode, peace and many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. This episode was brought to you by the Accepted System. The Accepted System is a program that helps pre-physical therapy students get into physical therapy school without wasting time or money. 
Most pre-PT students go on to spend hundreds of dollars applying to multiple DPT programs, with the majority of them having less than 40% confidence that they will actually get accepted that cycle. You have been taught that regardless of all the work you put into applying, you really do not have much control over your acceptance into PT school. The truth is, you actually do. You can find help at www.preptgrindotc.com. This episode was also brought to you by Physio Memes. Physio Memes helps PT businesses to increase their referrals through word of mouth marketing by growing their brand with an online store. Physio Memes. Thank you for listening. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.